Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Bear Cave Studios with uh, a special guest. You guys may know him from the Sold Out WWE podcast that we do here in the Sports Frenzy. Uh, Anthony Jufra. Anthony, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well. We, uh, we've got a nice UFC 226 card to go over with uh, a little extra. Our host here, Anthony, was live down at the 226. He's going to share his experience with us. He's going to tell us a little bit about uh, the, the fanfare and the Hall of Fame that he was at. So, Anthony, jump right into it. Tell us all about it. All right, cool. So, the first thing was the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, they do it at the, the they do it at the Palms uh, Resort, the Palms Casino. Uh, they have a they have a theater there. It's kind of like an old school theater with the three tiers, mezzanine, and what uh, there was two mezzanines and the orchestra level. So, it was twenty dollars. The ticket sales actually went to a charity. I forget which one that they were doing it for, but place probably had about. I think they announced there was fifteen hundred people that showed up. Nice. Yeah. So that started. So for those of you that might be thinking about doing this, uh, at least the experience this year that started at seven o'clock Pacific time. They opened the doors. They said at six thirty. So I got there about six thirty with my friend. Uh, so I'll be mentioning him sometimes, my friend Paul, that was with me. Uh, they had a long line going, basically wrapping around part of the casino. And so it looked like people must have gotten there way early for this thing, even though doors weren't opening until 6.30. So we were one of the last ones to get in. But as we got online, and this kind of shows you how disorganized this, this, might, the, this might have been in the beginning, there is this nice lady dressed to the nines in front of us and she's got kids with her and we overhear her talking about uh, her husband getting inducted. It was Matt Sarah's wife. Seriously? Yeah, Sarah's wife and kids were like in front of us and I'm guessing his parents and eventually, and somebody asked, I guess one of the friends of the family were like, well, what are you standing in this line for? You're like, should be considered a guest of honor. Yeah, definitely. And apparently the people of the casino didn't know any better and told her, oh, the line for the Hall of Fame is over there. <laughs> That's insane. Now, he had himself quite the weekend, Matt Sarah. I, I did see the video. I don't know if uh, you guys all got a chance to see it, but he he had to subdue and restrain a drunk man in a restaurant. Yeah, it was at the Red Rock Casino in one of their restaurants. That's That's insane. Like, I'm, I'm watching the video, and I'm like, this guy really thinks he's going to get out. He must have no idea who Matt Sarah is. I've, I, I've met him before. He's he's not very tall. He's about 5'5", no, 5'6", five, 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 maybe on a good day. Great, nicest guy in the world. Will talk to you. Very cool. But he's built like a house. Yes. Solid. His calves are probably the size of my face. And this guy was trying like he was going to get off of him. Matt Sarah's just kind of joking around like, all right, buddy, take it easy. Just relax. I think that's what made it even better was the fact that he was basically laughing at his face. Laughing at this guy trying to get him off him. Exactly. Yeah, so we got in there about 7 o'clock. 
they were already even though that they kind of opened the doors late there were you could i could hear john anik was about was starting to try to signal people to get to their seats so we ran in we got our seats uh they opened up for those of you that didn't watch on fight pass the first inductee induction was actually uh the fight the fight induction of the first shogun rua versus dan anderson fight okay so Shogun wasn't there, so they had a little, they did a little video clip of him uh, basically speaking in his in his Brazilian Portuguese and just thanking the fans and Dan and what have you, just giving his piece of it. it that part wasn't very long, and then Hendo came out, uh, did his thing, uh, did a pretty good speech. Uh, curious to see if he. I don't know that he's actually in there officially as their Hall of Fame as a fighter yet, but if he's not, then that's overdue. Um, I don't think he is yet, though. So I recall. So he might only be in that fight wing. In the fight wing, so far. Yeah. So he, so he, he let everything off, and then from there, they had inducted a producer for the UFC named Bruce Connell. Um, unfortunately, it was a posthumous one. Uh, he passed away earlier. No, he was he was the one that uh, Joe Rogan got very emotional talking about on the on the telecast yeah yeah and they brought his family out uh nice story about him if apparently his father was his father was in broadcasting as well and now his sons were getting in were involved i think this set if i remember correctly as their son like first i think he was at nbc if i remember correctly um so i'm sure someone will fact check it and tell me if i'm wrong and it made eventually made his way to the ufc so he sounded like he'd been there from the very beginning and his sons were actually involved for a few years so it was a nice touching story um it's one thing that some of the hall of fames uh, wwe doesn't always do in bringing up the people that work behind the scenes i know ultimate warrior had brought that up in his speech a couple of years ago so it was nice to see the ufc giving credit to people behind the scenes Right. Um, they followed that up with Matt Sarah. Uh, so Ray Longo did the induction speech for him. Uh, if you've heard Ray Longo as a guest on the UFC Unfiltered podcast, uh, he and Matt play off each other, mocking each other. Yeah, they, they, they've got a really good relationship there. Yeah, they were very entertaining. He was very entertaining. Brought Matt out. Matt was cracking jokes, telling stories. I mean, did him. I don't recall any major stories there. I mean, he told some things here and there, but it's just typical Matt Sarah. He was just off, you know, he was just crazy going off in 20 different directions. That's awesome. Very entertaining. Um, I do know from some people sitting around me, uh, including my buddy that went with me, there were some that I guess didn't care for his style of speech because it was probably all over the place. Um, Going to the WWE Hall of Fame induction a couple years ago versus this, I feel like the UFC one was at least a little bit more centered. Um, they didn't necessarily go as crazy as some of the other ones, but Sarah's just an entertaining talk all around. So nobody went off talking about how much they love their mama? No, nothing like that. How they love their mama on Father's Day and every day, a la, a la Mr. T? Yeah, nothing like that. No, no, Sarah did talk about how he met Ray Longo, how uh, I think he was working security i believe and ray longo decided to bring him in to on his staff and sarah actually said how he was so happy his first day longo's got him scrubbing toilets or some shit that's hilarious <laughs> he was loving it um 
Yeah, it was pretty entertaining. I think Sarah had the best speech by far. Um, that was followed up by R. Davey, one of the original pioneers, one of the originators of the UFC. Uh, sounded like from his speech that he had actually started trying to do this thing several years prior. Um, I think it was 93 that, that was the first event. It sounded like it was really around late 80s, 88, 89, that he really started trying to get things together. So it was... It took a while to get that together. Um, but if there was one speech where it was totally about me, 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 it was kind of definitely our Davey. It was that one. It was done. Yeah, he was. Pro- he, I think he was the longest speech of the night, or at least it felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but still entertaining from here, the guy that started it all. And even after they sold the company to the comp- uh, the prior, to the owners prior to the Fatitas, um, SEG. He was still involved as kind of a matchmaker for a few years after that. So I think he only actually was co-owner of it when, I think if I remember correctly, it was 95, 96. So it was only like two or three years that he was a co-owner. And then he was matchmaker for the SCG era for a while, for a little while. Um, so he, he was entertaining, but um, that was where it was starting to drag a little bit. Um, after that was the induction of the first woman into the UFC Hall of Fame, Ronda Rousey. Um, so humble was her speech. Uh, first, Dana did the induction speech for her. Um, talked about how he had no he had no interest in having the women fight in the cage, and she actually approached him and basically said, "Hey, we need to talk. I want to work for you." And so that that was a, it was interesting hearing that. And then just her speech was it wasn't so much about her; it was about her thanking the fans and thank and uh, thanking the other fight the women fighters really for helping with this movement to get women recognized in in this in the sport. I mean it it's kind of groundbreaking in the sense that it was tried before, not so much in MMA on the main stage, but you had Layla Ali in the boxing world mm-hmm. um, with female boxing. And this is just my opinion here. This wasn't part of the speech. And I don't feel like it ever really took off. Um, I don't. I think people even now. I think it's more accepted now. But there's been a long time that seeing women beating the crap out of each other like men too. Yeah. I don't think was widely accepted. Um, I feel like now it is. I, maybe not necessarily on the boxing level, but uh, mixed martial arts is definitely there. Um, I yeah, I, I feel like some of the fights on the cards, the women's fights are better than the men's fights. I find them to be more entertaining. I feel like the women are still kind of in the infancy, kind of like the not quite as bad as when the UFC first started, but maybe a few years in. Um, there are they are some that are more well rounded than they were in the before uh, in the beginning when they first brought it in, and I think that was part of the mystique with Ronda was that, and I don't think it was that she was necessarily a well rounded fighter necessarily. Um, I don't think she was at the right coaching place uh, with Edmund Tarverian. I, I probably butchered his name. No, I completely was, agree with you on that. Yeah, I feel like he would. I mean, he's a great boxing coach, but she needed to get beyond the judo and the boxing. The rest yeah. of the world was catching up to her, and I really think that's what did her in. Otherwise, I think if she had gone to maybe a Jackson Winklejohn or a Rufus Sport, I think that would have helped get her well rounded, and she might be doing that today instead, instead of, of WWE. Yeah. And I know her, her mom was very vocal on her her talking about leaving her camp and going to a new camp. And if you notice, when Travis Brown 
came over to that camp once he started dating Ronda Rousey, his career kind of plummeted as well. Yeah, I did notice that. I felt like he was he was getting further along with Jackson Wink, but yeah, it is he what was. It is. I mean, he's happy. He's married to her. They seem to be very happy. Yeah. So as long as uh, as long as Travis doesn't run into Alicia Fox anytime soon, uh, there'll be no issues there. <laughs> exactly. So now tell us about the fan experience. How was how was that? Okay, so the first thing with that, um, it was at the downtown Las Vegas Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Think of Convention Center, you think of the building, right? Right. Yeah, our, we took an Uber down, and it pulls up to this lot with a permanent tent in the middle of it, like one of those hard plastic tents. Oh, wow. So like a wedding, kind of, like an outdoor yeah. wedding. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it was more permanent than that, but right. yeah, it wasn't a true building. I was expecting a huge convention center, a la like the Javits like Center. Like the Javits Center, correct. Yeah, yeah or if you, if any of you were in Jersey, um, the Edison Expo Center or the Meadowlands Convention Center, one of those yeah. deals. Um, so when you got there, you know, you went through security, They and when, when you got in, uh, before you got in, first they, they tagged you. Like you were going to a party, party, and you had showed your ID for alcohol, so that was kind of <laughs> nice. But um, and when you first got in, typical UFC event. If you guys have ever been to one of these, uh, where they do a little fan experience outside the arenas before some of the fight cards, Monster Energy drink right there. <laughs> if you want to start off, here's your Monster Energy. Let's go. Nice. Um, one of the things they did, they put out an app. Um, I will admit the app I was a little disappointed with in the beginning because they were very late in getting it out. It came out barely a week before the event itself, which made planning for the other festivities in Vegas a little difficult. Um, So with the app, you were able to scan different barcodes throughout the experience and to kind of unlocked badges that you could use. Uh, The more badges you got, the more opportunity for higher end prizes. Um, now that first day on Friday walking in, it was completely packed. Um, what I had found out after the been Hall of Fame induction was that they had they had booths sp- uh, being sponsored by uh, Toyo Tires was one, uh, Motel Six, Metro PCS, Modelo, and Body Armor Energy Drink. Uh, they had slots where they were having so-called meet and greets with the fighters. Where it was, it, it, it was a meet and greet, truly. What you, if you had an item of theirs of that specific fighter, they'll autograph it for you. But otherwise, it was taking photos, saying hi, that sort of thing, which was nice. Um, that first day on Friday was just so packed uh, that we kind of skipped all that. Uh, the other thing was they had autograph sessions. Now, when I was thinking autograph session, they had it blocked off. Um, just looking at the app now to recap myself. So on Friday, there was one from 12.30 to 2.30, and then there was a second one from, like, 4 to 6. My assumption was it was in a separate room. You go in, get on the line of the fighters you wanted to meet. That's what I assumed would happen. Uh, one thing, the, uh, that's not what the setup was. First off, what, they, what I couldn't find on the website until I came across it and it, when it was too late was that you actually had to register for one of these autograph sessions. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so you had to do it on the app, and it opened up at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern the day before. So if you had no idea, you're screwed, basically, trying to get into these sessions. 
and that's what happened with me on Friday. Um, I wanted to get I wanted to get into both sessions. Uh, one thing I will say the UFC did well was you could uh, each purse each phone each person that had the app was only allowed to sign up for one session per day. Okay. Um, now now I did run across a guy with his son from Dallas who they each checked into one. So I think they hit at least both on Saturday, and I don't know if they hit both on Friday because I was talking to them on Saturday. But um, by the time I noticed the Friday sessions you had to reserve a spot it was now 10 o'clock vegas time the night before so they were all gone um so instead outside they had uh first off on the inside the other thing i didn't mention they had this thing where you could take a photo on social media and tag it ufc 25 years and it would automatically and then when you went over to this booth it actually they actually had someone there that would print up a little one of those little polaroids okay and the Polaroids, was, it was like the really small, like sticker size ones, but they had this entire wall that was to celebrate the UFC 25 years with the fans. Uh, very cool. Like the, kind of like the glove one that they have, they had there as well, I believe. Yeah, this one, yeah, this one was more of a, like a photo collection. Yeah. Yeah. But something similar, right? Yeah, the funny thing is the glove thing I didn't see at the fan experience, so I don't know what the story was there. Okay. But, um... So the indoors, as I mentioned, was all those autograph sessions. You could get Monster Energy drink. You could get Body Armor uh, Energy drink if you wanted that. And then outside, they had a store going out one of the exits uh, with overpriced merchandise, which, of course, I was dumb enough to spend some on. Of course. Uh, and then outside in the elements, first they had it looked like a storage container, um, and it was a, it's called the UFC 25 walkout tunnel. Um, I'll get back into that because I didn't get into that on Friday because it was really it was 114 degrees that Friday. My phone was re- my phone was actually overheating <laughs> standing in the heat. That's crazy. Um, but they also had the octagon there, so I got so and that line wasn't very long. You got to go in there, take a photo in the octagon. Um, so I took a post photo with the, my friend Paul, uh, like kind of facing off like we were getting ready to fight. And then I turned to the guy, take a, the security guy, that said, "Okay, anything else you want to do?" He's, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to take a back bump." Nice. And he looked at me and he's like, "I was like, is that okay? Can I take a back bump?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I guess if you don't hurt yourself." Before he finished saying "hurt yourself," I already just went backwards. Nice. The mat, um, the mat deceiving um, because when you're walking on it, it felt kind of soft, like trampoliney, but just like a rustling ring. It had that plywood, so when I hit the mat, you heard that. Nice. Um, so yeah, so well, my back wasn't my back didn't wasn't sore or anything. Rest of the day it wasn't anything like that, but it did hurt for a few seconds. I was like, damn! I was like, so imagine being <laughs> taken down, and all I did was I was standing up and I just kind of fell backwards. Now I can imagine what Frank Trick felt like when Matt Sarah picked him up and ran across the cage and, and trapped him. Yeah. Or, or, or Hendo when. Uh... When DC picked him up over his head and slammed him down. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's that, yeah. It's, I mean, the takedowns, the they they hurt. Uh, so more respect to the fighters for that. If you didn't know that, definitely. Um, so that was the end of the, my first day there. So I was only there about an hour the first day. Um, now knowing that there was the check-in system, though, I had that morning checked in um, and registered my spot for Saturday for the 9.30 session, so now I'll go into what the autograph session was. Uh, Mine was at 9.30 in the morning, as I mentioned, so I got there about 8.45. 
Um, now, if you're coming from the Strip, uh, I was staying at Caesars. I took the bus down, so and I did an Uber from New York, New York the day before. So I'll say Uber-wise, from the uh, from that end of the Strip where Mandalay Bay and Excalibur and Luxor are, and New York, New York. Uber ride took about, there was some traffic on Interstate 15, so planned for about 25 minutes. Um, I took the bus from Caesars, which is halfway up the strip from there, so closer, and it, the bus took about half hour going down and coming back. It was, it took about 40 minutes. Uh, so plan accordingly. The bus is the most economical way. You could get a 24-hour pass for $8, um, where the Uber would cost you about 8 bucks just to take it one way. Um, so it really depends on how many people are with you. Uh, so Saturday, I took the bus down. But the autograph session wasn't where you went into a room and you had to pick people. They literally set up tables across the stage. And you started at one end, and you made your way down and met everybody. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, so I thought that was great. I was actually more happy with that. And because they limit you to one session per phone, at least they're trying to give more people the chance to experience it. So the first person I got to meet was uh, Joseph Benavidez. Uh, he's a nice guy um, next fight he thinks it's going to be in October from what he's hearing okay. so a little scoop there uh, might be come, it, that's what it sounded like it was, he was thinking he was, it sounded like October from what he was hearing and then right next to him was his lovely wife Megan Olivi who was one of the ones I absolutely had to meet um, sweetest, nicest lady. Um, really nice. To, really nice. Um, talked to her a little bit about it. She she features her dog on her Instagram, and uh, com- I commented on the nice vacations they have, and she said, "Yeah, you know, it's nice. We get to do what we want to do." She was also very nice. I didn't have a ton to say to her. Um, after that was Valentina Shvedchenko. Um, watching her and the way she kicks ass in the cage and then meeting her in person, she was very nice. Uh, so I wished her well. She was really cool to me. And really, everybody was really nice. Um, after that was Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain was really cool. Um, I teased him the fact that they kind of separated the Sarah group because he was kind of off by himself. And then there was someone between him and Sarah. And, and meanwhile, towards the end was Stephen Thompson and Chris Weidman sitting next to each other. So the brother-in-laws were kept together. Nice. And then the husband and wife on the other end. So that was kind of funny. Um, so I wished Al Jermaine well. Hope, uh, you know, good luck. Hope he gets a title shot. Uh, you know, he, he seemed very nice. Um, after that was... Oh, and I forgot. I met Michelle Waterman, the karate hottie. Nice. How was she? She was awesome. Um, I asked her, you know, uh, what she was doing. I asked her uh, more about the broadcasting side because I know she's been doing that more. Yeah, I've seen her on UFC on Fox. Yeah, and expect her there uh, long term. Um, From what she was telling me, she's she said she, you know, she shared with me, you know, I've been doing this for ten years. Uh, Not going to be able to do this for much longer or forever. So this is kind of my next step. She's, and I said also, and I asked her, you know, how was it, how was it, the, being the fighter versus being the analyst? And she said the analyst is different because I have to do a lot of research, 
to learn about these fighters I'm going to be talking about, watch what the, maybe watch their fights if I haven't seen them or what have you. Um, she said, but so I'm still getting the hang of it, but uh, she's enjoying it so far. I did compliment her because I think she is doing well for someone that just started. Especially. Yeah, definitely. She she has been very solid on the broadcast. It's, it's, that's one thing I like about the UFC fighters that they have doing the broadcasts, um, even though Cormier sometimes gets up, used to get on my nerves on UFC tonight because I thought he was very full of himself. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's earned that right now. Yeah, uh, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, the UFC fighters just give a nice... feel for what it's like to be in there um, because they, they're actually been in there they have that understanding I mean how many times do you watch uh, I mean WWE is an example but let's go with a real sport how many times do you watch baseball and the commentators are not necessarily sometimes you do have a player or two in the booth right. but uh, there's only so much somebody like a Michael Kay can bring to a Yankee broadcast or uh, not to knock him because he was the, one of the greatest probably the greatest baseball announcer of all time, but Vince Scully for the Dodgers. I don't recall Vince Scully actually ever being a player. Never been a player. So, it, it's a, it, that's one thing I like about the UFC. I mean, they do have a few that might not necessarily have gotten into the cage, but they might have done some training. Um, and then you just got so many of the fighters that are willing to share their expertise and what it's like to really be in there. Um, something that you don't always see in some of the other sports. Right. Um, now, I, I know... We, we've got some fighters on the pre-show telecast and the post, post-fight. post Now, I, I know you're not a huge fan of Bellator. Um, what do you think of Big John being on the broadcast team now? I kind of I really like his insight, the way he breaks down fights. He gives you a different perspective. He gives you that referee perspective of a guy who's been in – and refereed most of basically all of UFC, the major fights, and it's it's a very fresh perspective that you're not used to getting in the sport. I actually I I haven't heard a ton of his work. I've only heard a bit, but I coming from that referee's perspective, which is something we don't hear very often. I think it's different, right. and it's. It's really interesting, but he also, I believe, has done his own share of training as well. Right. So I, I'm all for it for him. Um, admittedly, I would like to see him refereeing some of these matches, some of these fights we're seeing, because I mean, even recently, not so much in the re- very recent time, but even Herb Dean, I recall um, having a share, making a share of mistakes. I think, if I remember correctly, it was the god-awful UFC Super Bowl card in Newark a couple of years ago when the Super Bowl was down the street. Mm. And the entire fight card, it was actually became the longest fight card ever in UFC history as far as run time with the fights. We had sat through, I think it was something like 10 or 11 fights. All but one had gone to a decision and put us to... Put, I actually had people in my group that... guy, This guy named Rob... Um, co-worker huge one of the hugest UFC fans I ever met and I actually got a photo of him falling asleep during that card that's so crazy uh, uh, we get to the main event which was Uri Faber versus Josie Aldo I don't know if you recall this fight <laughs> I do I remember Uriah Faber's leg after that fight and how yes. bad that looked and I also remember I'm pretty sure it was Herb Dean 
on the opposite side on the wrong view ask telling uriah you need uh are you okay i'm gonna stop this uriah with his right hand gives the thumbs up right dean doesn't see it and calls the fight off yeah so i remember I mean, that but when you're, doing that, when you're doing hundreds of hundreds of fights yeah you're bound to make a mistake at some point but uh even herbs made his mistakes in in his oh. defense uriah wasn't winning that fight either way no no he wasn't there was no way he was coming back from that he could barely stand on his right on what was it his left leg his lead leg there was, there was no way he was coming back from that. No, 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 I didn't think he was, but, I mean, there's always that puncher's chance. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and we'll be talking about that in a few minutes with, yeah. the, with what we saw on Saturday. Now, um, out, of all these, out of all these guys that you met, who, who was your, your favorite interaction, most down-to-earth fighter? Because I, I've noticed a lot of these fighters, they're, they're like us. You know, they're very down-to-earth. They're very you know, humble, you know, they put on their bravado and persona for the fights, but, you know, you can reach out to these guys and they will answer you, they will have a conversation and they will treat you like a peer instead of, you know, like some of these football players where they'll treat you like you're beneath them and not on the same level, you're like, you're not a person, you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't get that with anybody. Um, I think the Ring Girls, um, the other two were Brad De La Cruz and Ashley Pacone. I mean, they were all nice, but the, the Ring Girls were not the more popular ones, so I didn't really know what to say with them. Mm-hmm. They engaged a little bit, but I think they were there because they were told to be there. Um, admittedly, Matt Serra uh, was one I was very excited to meet. It was actually my second time meeting him. Mm-hmm. Um, I told him a story about the first time I met him uh, when somebody in the line in front of me said to him, Hey, Matt, why don't you go down a lightweight? Uh, you'd probably dominate there. And he said, well, because I love the pasta too much. <laughs> yeah, that's so I true. That up and he said, he started laughing. You know, he was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed him. Um, I think he was exhausted, the poor guy. So not knocking him at all. He was really nice. I'd love to meet him again. Um, John Anik was really nice. Uh, he actually said, he actually said, I know I met you some before, which I think is funny because I think I met him in Newark at some point. So nice. this was a couple of years ago. So that was cool. Uh, Chris Weidman and Steve Thompson were really cool. Uh, Thompson was uh, my photo with him. He was just kind of made a funny face, but they were, they were playing off each other. They were really cool. Um, Curtis Blades did just about probably any autograph session. He was either doing an autograph session or he was doing a meet and greet. So he got pretty busy. So wasn't a ton to say with him, but he was still very nice. Um, the quietest one I think I met, um, I did a couple booths afterwards. Uh, I think Sergio Pettis was kind of overwhelmed, but he just seems like the more quieter of the Pettis brothers. Of the Pettis brothers, right. Yeah, so he, he was nice. Um, I got on the line for Dan Henderson only to find out he wasn't going to be there. Um, (laughs) that sucks. Yeah, and he was there at the fight later, so I was like, what the hell? He could, what did he just not want to wake up? But, you know, he's earned, he's earned, he's earned that right at that point. Yeah, I wasn't Especially with his replacement, uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Nice, very cool. So I got to meet him. Um, they did. The, he was at the Metro PCS Purple Couch. Uh, the cool thing with them was you could actually get a photo, get an autograph. And this was right at any of the booths, but at the Metro PCS, you could also do a video. Um, the video was you had to pretend you were either in Stipe's corner or Cormier's corner, uh, giving them, you know, a, kind of like one of those in between round pep talks oh nice 
So I chose Stipe. I basically had indicated, and I have the video somewhere, um, so I'll have to share that at some point. Uh, basically indicated, watch out for the takedowns, and watch out for the quick left or right from Cormier, because he's going to probably try to catch him quick. Oh, gee, that was pathetic, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, would, I totally would not have actually thought that would happen. I thought he was going to be him trying to grind it, uh, hold him down, but anyway. Um, and then I got to meet Claudia Gadea, who's one of my favorite female fighters. Um, the funny thing with her was when I got up to her, I was next to a photo, and I think it was one of the heads uh, of Modelo, Modelo Beer. Uh, she, they, the guy helping run the booth was like, hey, she's just got to talk to some of the Modelo people. I, I, you know, just sit tight. And I was like, yeah, no, no, that's cool. Um, so when she came back, She's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. By the way, you're on my Instagram. <laughs> and I look, and there's this camera with the red light on. And so I just got my photo with her, wished her well, hoped, told her I hope she gets a title shot. And then when I saw that I was in her story, I actually used one of the apps to download the story onto my phone because I was like, no one's going to ever believe me. Nice. Well, she was mad cool, too. And she's, I, I admittedly, I'd stopped following her on Instagram for a while because she just posts so much stuff. But after getting to meet her in person, I just... I genuinely felt like she's that's just the way she is she wants to share everything with people and right. she's just really cool I mean and this goes for all of them they're all no bad experiences they all are very nice down to earth excited to see the fans it didn't come across as fake like I said Matt Sarah seemed a little tired but that was about it they were all really cool um, I also forgot to mention after the Hall of Fame induction I got to take a quick selfie with Tito Ortiz nice and that, very that cool that was nice of him because people were kind of stepping up to him and being like hey Tito quick selfie so I was like, Tito, can I get a selfie? And, I was, and he's like, yeah, sure. He got the smile down perfectly, and I looked like a complete goof because I, <laughs> I hit it so quickly. I didn't want to hold him up. Then I wished him well in his fight with Chuck. He's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, I, you know, he, he was genuinely nice to everybody. And after the Hall of Fame induction, I mean, this was a good 15, 10, 15 minutes after it was over. He was just taking photos with people. So uh, kudos to him for that. That's awesome. I, can't, I can't knock anybody on that. Um, the fighters were all really nice. I did mention there was that UFC 25 walkout tunnel, which I didn't get to Friday, but I did get to on it on Saturday. So what it was, it was a little store. I mean, it literally looks like one of those storage containers you see on the back of a truck. Right. What they did was they actually put photos and videos of some of the highlights of the UFC over 25 years. So it was a quick five-minute walkthrough. At the end, you could dress up as a fighter, and they actually did a green screen where it looked like you're walking out to the cage. Oh, very um, cool. I tried to cram too much into mine, so they actually let me do it twice. So the first one, I was just kind of like, you know, uh, throwing throwing some fists, and then the second video, I actually just kind of screamed like I was Ken Shamrock back in the day. Or something. <laughs> nice. So they definitely think of cool interactive ways to get the fans involved. Um, I just think that my only knock was the autograph session. I feel like, and the release of the app, I feel like was too little last minute. Uh, now that I know, at least I know I would have to check in ahead of time. And I ran into this gentleman. I met at the Hall of Fame, and then I saw him again at the Fan Experience. I uh, believe he lived in Vegas. Nice guy. And um, when I saw him the next day at the Fan Experience, he said, yeah, this is not how they did it last year. So since the purchase of UFC by the former WME, IMG, whatever they're called, I think right. they're under a new name now, they have... It went from being a paid fan convention to an open t to the fans thing. Um, I think last year he told this guy told me last year when he went 
he was online at 6.30 in the morning for an autograph session, and it basically standing there for six hours. So I think the check-in option is a lot better. It feels like they're trying to come up with a way, because the fan experience was totally free, they're trying to come up with ways to get more fans in there without having to throw some money out, but also keep it controlled. Um, so right. Growing pains. Um, now that I know how they did it this year, if they kept it that way, now that I know, I would definitely be okay with doing it again. I do recommend it to anyone who's a big UFC fan. Um, if you're not into the autographs, uh, the photos with the fighters, um, like my friend, my buddy that went with me on this trip, um, then it might not be the right thing for you. It might be worth it to just carve out an hour just to see a couple of the exhibits if the lines aren't too long. But if you're a big fan, definitely check it out. That's awesome. Now, let's jump into this UFC 226 card that we had. It was quite quite the card. You know, a, a little disappointing. I was, uh, I was very disappointed that we didn't get to see the Holloway-Ortega fight. I was very much looking forward to that. I, I think uh, Ortega's going to be a champion for a while. He's going to hold on to that strap for, for a good bit. But, um... Yeah. I found it interesting that they offered him an interim title fight, and he was like, no, I got to do what's best for me. And I was saying to myself, wait, you would be going into a fight with someone that wasn't planning on this, and you'd probably at least get an interim title. The talk is that Dana said they don't know what's wrong with Holloway. They want to get this corrected, and he might not be fighting for a while. So this might have backfired in Ortega's face. Yeah. Uh, There there was one guy I met, poor guy, came uh, when I was on the autograph session line. I came all the way from Hawaii for this fight, and I'm sure he was not the only one. That sucks, man. Yeah. That really sucks. So let's jump into the last the last um, fight on the prelims, the, Uri- the Ri- Uriah Hall and Paulo Costa. I, I, thought, I thought Costa did very well. He frustrated um, Uriah Hall with, you know, a couple of those, those low kicks in the first round where uh, he got warned, but Uriah didn't seem to do well with his power, and once Costa started switching up with, you know, body head, body head, it was it was just a wrap. I, f- I felt like he was too strong, and Uriah, he couldn't handle the power. Yeah, yeah, with that spinning back kick, kick, yes. That spinning, yes, and a lot of people had dubbed him as the next UFC champion, the guy to knock out to uh, finally end the reign of Anderson Silva. Um, I really like Uriah Hall. I don't know what is up with him though. I feel like, I mean, at the time he was training at Tiger Shulman's. Yeah. Tiger Shulman's. It's not even real ch- uh, MMA gym, in my opinion. Yeah. in the WWE Conor McGregor made so much money boxing I don't 
you know, there's talk he wants to get back in the cage. I really don't think he could care. I think he could care less, honestly. He'll go wherever the money is. And yeah. He's got that right. Um, the fact that what we saw later in the night uh, developed is uh, the possibility coming from that, and we'll kind of lead into that in a little bit. I feel like UFC need, uh, is struggling right now trying to get those guys that the fans, the newer guys that the fans are going to want to see and pay that money to see them. Paulo Costa, I think, is one of those guys that could be one of those one of those draws for them. Uh, I was very impressed with him. I could see him maybe two or three shots from now. It's kind of like the rise of Weidman out of nowhere, but I feel like Costa's already f- fighting bigger names and further along than Weidman would have been at this point. I mean, Weidman beat Nunes, was gone for 11 months, and all of a sudden was facing Anderson Silva. Yeah. I feel like with Costa, he's fighting those bigger names that and appearing on the fight cards that people will recognize more. I mean, Weidman went from a UFC fight past main event all of a sudden to the main event of the pay-per-view. So right. Costa, I... I can see Costa become being a future middleweight champion. Um, I, I can so. definitely see that happening as well. Now we we've got Roundtree Junior. and Saki. Now this this fight didn't last very long. Roundtree Junior. dominated it, knocked him out with how how much time? I want to say like maybe a minute and a half into the first round. One thirty-six. One thirty-six. You know, he uh, he really did his thing. His kid's got power. Yeah, Roundtree was a former UF, uh, Ultimate Fighter uh, participant, as I recall. Um, that, I had not seen Saki before. Uh, he came out, and with his music and uh, his credentials, I was really excited to see this guy for the first time. Um, I felt like there were a lot of upsets on this card, this one being one of the biggest ones. Uh, I did not have think Roundtree was winning that fight. Uh, hats off to him. He caught Saki. Uh, and this is one of those things that people need to realize with that crossover. Um, we, had, we had CM Punk and Brock Lesnar, um, professional wrestlers, coming in to the UFC, although Brock did have that wrestling background. Um, we had James Tony a couple years ago as a boxer. Right. Uh, there's been talk about Floyd Bunny Mayweather coming in. Of course, they'll probably script that fight or change the rules to benefit him because otherwise he'll never do it. Um, Saki's sure. another one that came in with a big kickboxing background. Um, probably trained more. I mean, if he definitely trained more than some of these other guys in MMA, but I think that. He relies so much on the kickboxing. Some of these guys, I think that a lot of these guys need to res- not necessarily respect MMA more, but give themselves a little bit more time to train in it properly before they get in there into the octagon. I agree. Um, they got to give the sport a little bit more respect. It's not just something that you can jump into after, you know, a year. Right, right. And I think, I think you do this rematch a year from now. Uh, I could see the result being different, but yeah, hats off to Roundtree. He talked the talk and he walked the walk that night. Right. So next fight up was Michael Chesa and Anthony Showtime Pettis. Showtime is back. Showtime is back. I was a little disappointed that Chesa couldn't make weight. He mm-hmm. he talked a big game pre-fight and during the fight, which you know that kind of led to his downfall right before he uh, he got submitted there. Um, show Showtime is back. I'm still not 100 percent show uh, sold on the fact that he's back because 
his past couple performances have been a little lackluster. So um, seeing that, he he did do very well. As long as he's not fighting in his hometown, I feel like when he does fight in his hometown, he seems to try to do too much and can't, can't live up to the hype at that point. Showtime is back. Um, yeah. I agree with you, though. Uh, Showtime is back for one night. Uh, he's got to string off two or three wins before yeah. he's truly back. But I will give Pettis credit. He out Kiesa Kiesa. He did. He, he definitely Kiesa did. Kiesa had his own game. I would not have expected him to submit Kiesa. And um, that submission, that submission was very well well played, very well timed out. He, he kind of faked like he was going to he was gonna mount him again. After he spun him over and then just pulled that arm back. I mean, it was a triangle arm bar. I mean, yeah. it was like, it looked like he was going for the choke, and all of a sudden, Kies is tapping out, and he realized, oh crap, he had him in an arm bar. Yeah. So, hats off to Pettis. Uh, hopefully, he could make a, make a run back to the top with it. Um, it's a very entertaining fighter. The fans love him. Uh, very marketable as well. Yeah, and probably would be a good opponent for Khabib. Yeah, I can see two that. Or three wins away, two or three wins away there, though. <laughs> yeah, he definitely he's got to put a, a nice little string together on that. Now, the next one, we had Mike Perry and Paul Felder. I I was enjoying this match until Felder broke his arm. Um. I felt like it could have gone either way at that point. Before, before he broke it, he was he was putting up a good fight. It was a back and forth. They were both kind of cut up pretty good, and uh, Felder did or uh, Mike Perry did get that decision on that one. So um, yeah, overall, I thought that was a it was a good fight. I would have just liked to see Felder being a hundred percent all the way through. Right. At that card, and he was without a fight. He was supposed to face James Vick at uh, UFC Fight Night. Both, both of these lightweight fights, that fight got scrapped. So he ends up fighting on this card against Mike Perry mm-hmm. um, at welterweight. So I feel for Felder, uh, tough guy. Um, not just, but not just uh, what you mentioned. He. His face got smashed. <laughs> His face did get smashed up. Yeah, he had a nasty cut. He has a lot of scar tissue. Um, I was shocked that it was a split decision. I mean, as much as I was rooting for Felder, I felt Mike Perry had that hands down won it 29-28, so I was surprised when it was announced as a split. But I think the right guy won there. Uh, Mike Perry's on the rise. Right. He's looked pretty good in his few fights. Um, not to get mixed up, and maybe you could help me out with this. And this goes to show you how some of these other card guys that don't make the pay-per-views I haven't seen much of. There was another guy named Perry that kind of had a mohawk, as I recall, but I can't remember who that, what his name was. I thought it was also Mike Perry, but apparently I was wrong. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Um, I, I, can, I can see him. I just can't, I can't put the, the first name to it. 
We'll we'll have to do some research on on that one, and we'll we'll come up with uh, we'll give you guys the name on that one in the next uh, podcast. Yeah. Um. So next next one we had a bit of a snooze fest. It was supposed to be fireworks. You know, Fourth of July weekend. We're gonna have the heavyweights. We don't have Ortega and Holloway, so we're gonna move these guys up into the co-main event of the evening. And we got a bunch of duds. We got a dud of a fight. I I actually fell asleep during this fight. I had to wake up and watch it again. And I'm sad I did. It was a disappointment of a fight. Both fighters were saying the same thing. Um, These guys should have been, they shouldn't have gone past the first round. We got three rounds of... You know, standing there looking at each other. There was a bunch of circumstances I heard after the fact that contributed to this. Uh, Francis Nagano has openly admitted that he was afraid of getting caught, um, so he wasn't as aggressive as he should have been. Um, Derek Lewis apparently has a chronic back problem, and it flared up, I guess, as this fight started. So it was a combination of things that made what should have been a quick, exciting beat the shit out of each other fight um, and just made it a complete snooze fest now I don't know if you because you fell asleep and if you're sleep deprived this is the fight to watch in the future if you need help <laughs> yeah. um, in the arena the fans were shitting all over this I believe uh, it there were chants there were crazy chants going on um, at one point referee actually stopped the fight i believe it was herb dean and actually kind of said to them guys let's engage already this get ridiculous and dean's only done that one other time um that was documented so absolutely horrible the fans took to entertaining themselves i don't know if this came across on the broadcast for those of you that are wwe fans if you've heard of the fireflies (laughs) i i see i saw just as many cell phone camera lights go on during that fight as i do did do when Bray Wyatt enters over an arena there was fireflies in the arena and that was I believe in the second round we saw that in the third round we started a freaking wave there was a wave and that's insane somebody somebody in my section said Dana just did it that's that, that's hilarious that that, that would make the night for me yeah I, I, when somebody said that I was like really Dana did it that's telling you something yeah exactly didn't even come close to meeting it. I was very disappointed in both guys. I kind of hope they they rebound from it, but um, I recall Derek Lewis happened. There was another time that he fought that he thought it was going to be a knockout, dragout affair, and instead it was it was a snooze fest. Um, well, that was the same thing with Ngannou's last fight as well. His fight Stipe. against Stipe. Yeah. He, was, he was not himself. He kind of played it too safe and you know Stipe got the win on that yeah yeah I don't know uh, Nagano needs to needs to figure stuff out um, mentally I think because um, he admitted that he you know he he got I think the nerves were getting the better of him in the Stipe fight and they carried over to this one yeah. um, Derek Lewis if he's got a if he's got a back problem and he says I might just have to fight through it if they can't solve this thing I I'd hate to see that for him um, I'd hate to see him be half the fighter that he was I mean he wasn't a flashy 
skillful fighter anyway. He was trying to knock the knock yeah, he's, head he's off. got heavy hands. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to uh, knock you if, out. And if he's got a back issue, I, uh, he's not going to be able to do that. And we get a snooze fest like we, what we saw. So I really right. hope he gets it figured out because he's, he's an entertaining guy. Um, so has a lot of heart. Uh, doesn't doesn't try to hide who he is. Um, we'll keep our fingers crossed. No. So then now we've got the main event of the evening. Stipe Miocic and Daniel, the double champ now, Cormier. I I personally really enjoyed this fight. I'm a, I'm a DC fan. Um, I'm glad to see him take this and kind of shove it in John Jones's face. Kind of let him know, like, hey you cheat like if you would have stayed clean you know this could have been you but now um i'm running both of these divisions and he caught stipe he caught him flush he talked about it he said that uh he knew that stipe came out of the clinch with his hands down and right when he came out of that clinch you know tied up he caught him flush with a right hook and dropped him right on his face Stipe, Stipe was taking the fight to him yes. at the beginning. He, it was very, um, I want to say Stipe was controlling that fight and really uh, imposing his will on DC. And he got caught, and that was it. Yeah, um, DC is the huge reason why I stopped watching UFC tonight. Um, I found him entertaining at times, but I felt like he was too full of himself and liked hearing the sound of his own voice. Um, he's definitely earned that right. Uh, this was only the second time I actually picked Stipe to win. Um, every one of Stipe's fights, I never picked him to win until he fought Nagano. Uh, this one, I thought he, I thought the height advantage was going to be too much for Cormier. Um, granted, Cormier has fought head heavyweight before and done very well at heavyweight but I just felt like um, he wouldn't be able to take down Steve Bay which they don't, don't recall him trying to do that very much now correct sorry sorry to interrupt you but correct me if I'm wrong isn't Gustafson taller than Steve Bay he probably is so maybe that was and I, I think you know that, that was a hell of a fight but you know DC does kind of hold his own with some of the taller guys, unless you're John Jones, but that Gustafson fight I recall being pretty close, though. Right. Yeah. Um. Now, now that we have the new champion, hats off to him. Uh, I love Cormier again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not trying to get on the bandwagon. I've I've always been on the fence with him. Um. There's a couple things I want to discuss that come out that came out of this. First, you mentioned John Jones. Right. Can Cormier claim to be one of the greatest of all time when he could never get past John Jones at light heavyweight? I don't care that Jones was a cheater. I mean, yes, I I hate the fact that he was a cheater. I, it's not that I love the guy at all. I think he got too full of himself. Um, he needed to get knocked down a few pegs, and I don't know how many pegs he needs to get knocked down or how many times he, somebody needs to bash him over the head before he's going to wake up and get his life back in order. But I feel like Cormier's always going to have that is that low-hanging fruit that um, he never actually beat John Jones. So can he claim to be the greatest of all time? I don't know. Um, maybe the solution is when John Jones, uh, when the USADA John Jones issue was settled, they finally get that fight together. I 
But then will, will he be clean? Will he not test positive? Because both fights, he tested positive. The first fight, too? Yeah, I believe the first fight he popped after. Oh, the sex drug, right? Yep. And then the second fight, um, the, the second fight he popped before the first time. And then when he came off his suspension, when they ran it back again, he got, he popped after again. And that led to the whole USADA thing all over again. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that second fight, maybe, I'll agree with you on that. I think the first one, hands down, Jones won. If they rematch, I think it has to be at heavyweight. I don't want to see it at light heavyweight again. Um, I think it would be a nice way for John Jones to come back. It also would be fresh because he really dominated that light heavyweight division for several years now. Um, and he, the guys that are at the top now, I. Uh, have either already been beaten by DC or Jones already beat them. So um, no interest in seeing Jones come back as the light heavyweight. Um, they got to do it at heavyweight. I don't see it happening because DC is talking two fights and he's done. Um, we all know what the last fight's going to be, and you're talking about being clean. Brock Lesnar. First off, I'm, I've been very disappointed that the UFC even more so under this new ownership than before has neglected their own rankings to put the biggest draws in um i get it they're running a business so i get it uh, maybe the rankings need to go away for that reason because i think the rankings actually hurt them when the top the number one number two number three guys are not getting the title shots and some guy who hasn't fought in years except for one fight where he got a no contest because he got popped um, but then they need the they need the rankings for another five years because that's mixed into that whole Reebok deal on the pay scale uh, for the fighters so they have to have the ranking in for that aspect at least yeah I mean and the, I'm on the one side Brock getting the next title shot I don't hate it I, 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 I'm a Brock is the reason why I'm watching UFC. I, I try to watch UFC when it started. I made the mistake of renting Ultimate Shamrock when he came to the came to wrestling. And I that's Shamrock Gracie 2 fight just put me to sleep. So I didn't watch it again until Brock debuted. And that fight card where Brock lost to Mir, um, I still think it's bullshit that Mazagati stopped the fight the way he did and deducted a point. Uh, but that being said... I stayed and watched the Sylvia Noguera main event. Didn't know who anybody was in the UFC at that point besides Brock. Yeah. Um, so I, I became a fan of Brock, and I credit Brock to the fact that I'm still watching UFC to this day, even when he doesn't fight for them anymore. Um, the heavyweight division, I don't feel like Cormier fighting Brock. It doesn't bother me in the respect that Oh, there's these rankings that they're ignoring them. Outside of Stipe, I don't see anyone in the heavyweight division that has done enough to earn that title shot recently. Um, Yeah, JDS is a shell of his old self. Kane, I love him. I love Kane Velasquez, one of my favorite fighters, but he can't stay healthy, and I don't think his, his heart's in it anymore. 
the fact that Cormier went up to heavyweight and took this fight, I think, is telling. Cormier did not want to fight the same division as Kane. Now exactly. Champ. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's very telling that Kane's not coming back to the UFC. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Derek Lewis, he's he, if he got a title shot, you might as well put it on Fox. Um, yeah. No one, no one's buying that fight. Especially with his back injuries becoming apparent. So yeah, I think Brock, timing-wise, besides Stipe, that's the only fight that may, that that for the heavyweight division um, would be acceptable. Um, I feel for Stipe because I could see Stipe not Stipe's not get, getting his rematch unless Cormier gives up the light heavyweight title, and I don't see that happening. Um, yeah. Unless Cormier fights it back with Stipe in November, but I don't think the UFC would make that mistake now because they got all this hype with what happened after the fight between Brock and Cormier. So I don't see that happening. I'm wondering if Stipe will get the winner of Cormier-Brock. But even that, Cormier's last fight, he wants it to be in, I believe, March of next year. It's going to probably be Brock. He gets out of that unscathed. I mean, there's talk that you know, there's always that talk that, hey, this guy says he's retiring, but he's not going to retire if he's still the champ. There's still big money fights there. I mean, um, yeah. Bisping. Bisping didn't go anywhere until he started losing. Um, I don't see Cormier fighting. I think Cormier's going to stay true to his word. Brock's going to end up beating his last fight if they can get that in the cage. Now, if Brock can beat Cormier, I could see Stipe then getting the next shot, and that's kind of solves the heavyweight division yeah. issues for uh, maybe a year. Um, the other thing I'm finding interesting, I want your opinion on this, um, and honestly, I think he's a piece of shit nowadays. I mean, I'd love to see him fight, but I still think he's a piece of shit that's only out for the money, and he's, he's around, you know, more power to him. He, he found a way for it to work. Conor McGregor was a two-division champ. Correct. They stripped him of that, one of those belts, within 30 days. And there was talk before that fight even happened that he was going to have to give up one of those belts. Right. There's been no mention of that with Cormier. Is, what is Cormier doing differently? Is it the fact that he's saying that he's going to defend both titles? Because I think for the right money, Connor would have done it too. Um, what makes Cormier different that they're allowing him to walk around with two belts and there's no talk of stripping him with one of them? I think because he doesn't have another fight lined up outside of UFC. I think that's what did Connor in. I think him being so focused on Floyd Mayweather and basically putting the UFC on a back burner, doing all the press tours, doing all that, not training MMA. Look at it now. It's been, what, a year? Maybe a year and a half since we've seen Conor in the cage? It's going to be two years in November. Yeah, it'll be two years in November since we've seen him in the cage. And trust me, ring rust is a real thing. We've seen a lot of these guys try to come back and get dropped on their face. So he's got to come back for the right reasons and not be the money or he's going to be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, I, see, I, I don't remember the Mayweather fight being spoken of at that point. I recall him saying he was going to take time off. His girl was carrying his child. He wouldn't be fighting again until the next summer. Um, that's – I. Maybe the UFC did have wind that he was looking into the boxing already. Maybe I'm not remembering that. Yeah, they they were they were throwing it up on ESPN a little bit. Like, what if okay. Connor comes and fights Mayweather? How would it go? How would it go down? And then that's what started the whole train going forward. Okay. All right, that makes more sense then. 
had some guys, uh, Dominic Cruz is another one, and I love Dominic Cruz. He was one of the first fighters I ever met. Um, when Cruz was able to keep that belt for years despite injury, and then Connor was stripped, uh, stripped so quickly as the first two-division champ, I, there's no... There, it's interesting. The UFC plays favorites quite a bit. Um, you would have thought that Connor was the one that they would have played favorites with the most, and it was kind of like, all right, we did what you wanted, and we don't trust that you're going to do us right, so now we're going to strip you. I mean, is that what it went on? I don't, uh, I don't think we'll ever really know the yeah. full story there, but... Um, UFC's got to get consistent with how they award title shots, how they how they treat guys that are champions that have been injured too often or pull out of fights. Uh, it's just very inconsistent. And if they want to be taken more seriously by the hardcore fans, uh, well, I think that's one of the things they need to improve on majorly. I agree with you. I think they got to they got to come up with hard set rules on how they're gonna proceed with this or else it's it's just gonna get out of hand like look at Holloway right now like I love the guy as a fighter but can he stay healthy it's been three fights at this point where he's been scheduled to fight and he's had to pull out three in a row yeah I think in my opinion and I throw this out to uh, a couple UFC fans so some of them agree some of them use Josie Aldo as the excuse why it could never happen and I don't know if I agree with this either um, my opinion you gotta have a title fight a title defense signed within one year of you winning it if injury happened you know that happens but if you hit that one year mark and you at least don't have the title defense signed to be occurring within let's say three months of that one year anniversary then you automatically strip them, injury or not. Um, they keep letting divisions get held up. Instead, I think it's just become easier. Oh, we, uh, prime example, the Edgar Ortega fight um, a couple months ago. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just one example. Um, there's been so many times that they feel like every pay-per-view's got to have a title fight, and if they can't get the champion, the real true champion of a division to make that fight now we got another interim title uh, and you get a belt and you get a belt and you I, get a belt it, it waters it down I mean yeah. uh, Helen Burrell I recall was interim bantamweight champion for like for like three years uh, yeah, yeah it was ridiculous it, it was crazy I mean now we have Colby Covington as the interim welterweight champion and to this day I still don't understand what the hell happened with Tyrone Woodley not that I care I'm not a Woodley fan by any means I think it Talking on that, I think Woodley's going to beat his ass. Mark my words now. I think I think Woodley is going to destroy Covington in that fight. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't go through Woodley very often, but Covington's so freaking full of himself. I yeah. really was surprised that RD, that he lost that he beat RDA. I was really disappointed in yeah. that one. Yeah, Kobe's another one that needs to get. Kobe reminds me of. Um, What's his name? Tattoo neck in the bantamweight division that TJ beat. Oh, Cody No Love. Yes, yeah, Cody Go. Um, he's another one that I think got too full of himself. Uh, hats off to him. He made Dominic Cruz look like a little bitch, which was hard to watch because I'm really a huge Cruz fan. And then he loses it to freaking TJ Dillashaw, who pisses me off even more yeah. than Cody does. But uh, hats off to TJ. The guy knows what he's doing. I just don't like the way he does 
I, I like the way he treats people, and I think he's full of his own. Yeah, I think he's full of shit most of the time too. But um, yeah, I. I'm sick of, it's kind of that's another thing I'm sick of is the bullshit champions. I mean, I'm not a Mighty Mouse fan. He's but he's not a bullshit champion. I mean, he he defends it. He's not a very exciting. Yeah, he's not very exciting to watch, but he defends it and he dominates. I think he's got to move up in weight class at this point. I, I would like to see him go back to bantamweight at this point, but I think he's too focused on keeping his bread buttered where he is. Um, we'll have to see, but Demetrius doesn't get come across as cocky or anything. Unfortunately, he comes across as boring as well. <laughs> yeah. Now, with that all being said, I wanted to say thank you for sharing your experience and letting us know how um, how the weekend was, how it played out for you. Um, guys, check out Anthony's Instagram page, uh, for 316 and check out all the pictures, the videos that he put up from the the fan experience, the Hall of Fame, and the uh, the meet and greets as well. So go check out his page. Give him some likes. Check out the the pictures. If you guys got questions, shoot him some questions. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to uh, to let you guys know if you guys uh, need to know anything about um, that whole setup and and such. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will catch you guys at the next big UFC card. We'll. We'll throw a pre-show and post-show on that one. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.